church sound system somewhere. <laughs> That's what they did. Thank you. Uh, since I was last here, uh, I broke two bones and a leg here recently. And uh, they got me limping just a little bit. Now, here's the tragedy. I broke them at Brother Fisher's church. <laughs> walking across the front where they had just recarpeted a small riser for the deaf minister to stand on. And when I tripped and fell, the bones broke right away. And uh, they came running up. They said, oh, everybody's tripping on that. And I thought, oh, great, here I am, a lawyer, and nobody to sue for my broken bones. Uh, the bones are knitting, and I'm fine, but this is just a treat. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Thank you for all that beautiful, beautiful music, so Christ-honoring. I want to ask you a real serious, serious question if you're a child of God. And how many of you here, you're heaven-bound? you know the Lord is your personal savior. Well, this is a critical question. If you could be known for one thing, what would it be? If you could say, by the grace of God, here is what I want people to say about me. What would you like to have for a mark of distinguishment on your life? Now, we know from Scripture that God puts an incredible emphasis on faith. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, chapter 6, or verse 6, he says, it's impossible to please God without faith. Impossible. Doesn't say unlikely. He said it's impossible. But in the passage we just read, God says there's something greater than faith. And it's what the Bible calls charity. It's the word for love. Let's look at this verse just again. Hebrews, excuse me, I've got Hebrews on the mind here. 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. Now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these, say out loud in unison the next word, is charity. Charity. The word charity here, the word for love, is God's hallmark. If you could be known for anything, every child of God should desire to be known for being a world-class lover. Someone who has the love of God at such a pinnacle place in their life that people would look at you and say, that woman's amazing how she loves that man is just absolutely amazing for how he loves. Now, let's make sure we have the right word for love here because around the world, our world loves the word love. They love to use it. And there's three words in the Bible for love, and let's make sure we have the right one, the one used here. The first word for love is the word that we use for a physical attraction. It's the word eros. It's when you're physically attracted. A young man gets interested in a young lady, and he says, boy, I think maybe I love her. He's probably erasing. He's just physically attracted. By the way, we get the word erotic from this word. It's when people take it and want to manipulate love, and it's all physical. 
The tragedy is the divorce rate around the world has soared because so many people, when they got married, they were just marrying a physical attraction. And then one day they woke up and they said, I don't know, I don't think I'm in love anymore because it all physically changed. That's not the word used here in Scripture. God never commanded you to eris. The second word in the Bible for love is the word filio. Now, this is a great word. It's the word for a, a kind, nice person, somebody who's attractive because of their kindness, their decency. Have you ever met somebody, they're not saved, but they're just nice. They're decent people. And you say, what, what a loving man, what a loving woman. That's the word filio. In our America, we have a city, Philadelphia. It's called the city of brotherly love because of that word filio. But that's not what God commands. The third word, and it's the word used here, is the word agape. And agape is a word for love that you can't produce. You can produce eris, and you can produce filio, but you can't produce agape. This is a love that only God can produce through you. It is a divine love of God through you. Whoa. I ask you this question. Have you got that divine love that God says is more important than faith? That God says is critical. Now, watch what Jesus said. Turn back in your Bibles to John. I want you to see how we're commanded to have this love. I've been preaching from these passages a lot lately because I see so little of this love on occasion among God's people. And I want you to get ready to mark. Jesus is talking to his disciples in John chapter 13, verse 34. Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love, and circle that word love there, it's the word agape, that ye love one another. And boy, then he adds this little, as I have loved you. Do you understand? You're not commanded to love. You're commanded by God to love the way you've been loved. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you. And then that ye also love one another. But look what he says in verse 35. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have agape, this love, one to another. Jesus said, when you do this love, the whole world is going to know who you belong to. If you followed me and if you ran with me as we travel, I wonder if you'd say, the love of God is in him. If I followed you last week, would you be able to say the love of God is in you? It's a command. It's not an option. And God says it's not going to be a physical attraction. It's not going to just be a nice person attraction. It is going to be an of God love that the Holy Spirit is going to produce through you. Now, if you wonder how important this love is, how important the obedience to that command is, look at the first three verses in chapter 13 again of 1 Corinthians. I want you to look at what God says. 
Verse 1, though I, be, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, there's the word agape again, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. I have that verse underlined in my Bible. This verse I watch happen everywhere. This was written to saved people. They're heaven bound. But God says, if you don't have this love of the Holy Spirit, only he can produce it. If you don't have it, all you are is an irritating noise in this world. A sounding brass, a tinkling cymbal. A sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal was the noise that merchants made in the marketplace. If you go to Israel to this day and some other countries there in the Middle East, that they attract your attention by screeching and squealing and making funny noises with their voices. And it sounds for all the world like fingers on a blackboard scraping. Oh, I mean, it's just irritating that you want to go in just to make them stop. That was called a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. God says, you're my child. You're heaven bound. But if you don't have this love, this world, all you're going to be in it is an irritating, aggravating noise. Have you ever been in your automobile and some young people maybe pull up next to you? Your windows are up, their windows are up, but the noise in their car is so powerful. Happened to my wife and I the other day. It was literally coming down and across and back up. <laughs> and my wife had her hand on the window. She said, the window's vibrating from it. I don't know how they have any ears anymore, just with the... And you say, what an irritating noise. This world's going to say... I don't want what you're talking about. I don't want to hear about your Jesus. Because all you are is an irritating noise. Now this is by command of God. God says, I'm commanding you to have this love. And remember, while we can't produce it, whatever God commands, God will enable us to have it. If you didn't have it last week, you can have it next week, I promise you. How many of you do not want to be an irritating noise? Hold your hand up, will you? Look at the second thing he says. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, whoa, so that I could remove mountains. If I walked out here and said, where would you like some mountains put? <laughs> How many of you would be impressed if I could do that? If you wouldn't be, I sure would be. I mean, that'd be astonishing. And though I have the, all faith so that I could read mountains and have not this agape charity, say out loud in unison the next three words, I am nothing. We think it's a great compliment to say, what a man of faith. What a woman of faith. And it is if they have this love. But you know what God says? If you don't have this love, you're nothing. Can I confess to you? 
I'm afraid I spent a lot of days as a nothing. I didn't mean to. It wasn't by design. But I sure didn't have this love. And I ran and I did all kinds of things for the Lord. It wasn't that I was out doing bad. But God says, you have all faith. You're still just an irritating noise if you don't have this love. Look at the last warning he gives, verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Now note he doesn't say some. I give everything to feed the poor. And though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. I wonder how much giving I've done, how much sacrifice I've done. And God says, didn't count. Because you didn't do it with love. Whoa, this love is critical to God. Now I want to remind you, this is the love by which God sent his only son, Jesus. John 3, 16, for God so, what's the next word? Loved, it's agape. For God so agape the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. I cannot tell you how critical this love is. Well, you say, Brother Gibbs, I, I, I think I have it. It just doesn't show. <laughs> you can't hide this love. This love will always show. And God then gives you some markers in the next verses. And we're going to look at two of them. And here's what I want you to do, not out loud, but in your heart. Do I measure up? Do I have this love? Because God says, if you have this love, here's how you can tell. Look at what he says. Number one, it suffereth long. You know what it means to suffer long? It means you can't wear it out. There's not one thing you can do to it to make it stop. It suffereth long. If I have agape, you can't do one thing to make me stop agapeing you, loving you. Well, have you ever had somebody just aggravating? How many of you know some aggravating people? Hold your hand up. Uh, if you don't know some, let me know. There's plenty to go around, all right? <laughs> They're like everywhere. And you say, that's it. I've had it. I'm done. Man, I've put up with you way too long. I'm sick and tired of this. I'm done. That's it. I'm out of here. Agape never says that. You can't wear it I've had kids hurt their parents so devastating that the parents said, I'm done. I'm done. And I've had to tell them, I understand what you're saying, except God forbids it. You're commanded to love them with a divine love that never wears out. It 
suffereth long. I've seen parents treat their children contemptibly, deplorably, humanly, unspeakable. And they say, you're telling me I'm to love my parents? Not in and of yourself, you could never. But agape never wears out. You can't make it stop. Is that you? I wonder if the kids would say, and by the way, how many of you have children? Hold your hand up, will you? How many of you know kids are God's little spies? How many of you are aware of that? <laughs> They're all watching. If I could talk to your kids before you could talk to your kids, and before you could tell them, now don't you tell that lawyer anything, don't you? You be, And that would be very wise advice, okay? I wonder if your children would say, nothing stops mom's love. Nothing. Nothing stops dad's love. Nothing stops the love of grandma. Nothing. Because it's divine. It's agape. It's of God. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. It's that love. Wow. Wow. I had the privilege to meet and speak on the same platform with Elizabeth Elliot many times. Her husband, Jim Elliot, and Nate Saint, two young missionaries, went down to South America to Ecuador to reach the Aka Indians, the headhunters, the savages that ate people. And all the oil companies had pulled out because the savages were eating them. And so there was no one going in. But these two young men wanted to take the gospel in. When Jim and Elizabeth Elliot went down there, she was pregnant with their first child. It made me remind of this beautiful dedication this morning. By the way, how many of you that touched your heart? That sure did mine. I promise you it touched heaven's heart. And when they got down there, Jim Elliott and Nate Saint, they knew how to fly a small airplane, so they were flying back up into the jungles. And the savages there, these headhunters, lured them in. They feigned to be friendly, and they kept saying, come down, come down. And one morning, Jim Elliott and Nate Saint landed on a little beach and got out. And when they got out, these savages captured them. And then they killed them. Only they didn't kill them quickly. They literally roasted them over a fire for a week to ten days. Their goal was not just to kill them. Their goal was to make them beg for death. And so they tormented them unspeakably. When word got back that they'd been captured and their lives taken. The missionaries down there said to Elizabeth, do you want to go back home? Your husband's dead, you're carrying his child. What do you want to do? She said, no, I know exactly what I want to do. 
because Jim and I discussed this. I want you to take me to those Indians. I want to reach them with the gospel. And they said, why? She said, because we love them. Wait a minute, Miss Elliot. These are savages. These are wicked, wicked savages. You can't wear this love out. Wow. They said, well, if you're going to go in, we'll get the army to go with you. The government there offered their services, and Elizabeth Elliot said, no, no. If I go in with the army, they'll just flee into the jungle, and we'll never get them. I'll just go with a couple of missionaries. When she went in, a strange thing happened. Her presence terrified these savages. They came up to her and they said, where do you get the power to come before us? Do you not know how strong we are, how formidable we are? Do you not know how mean we are? Do you not understand how much power we have? Where do you get the power to do this? And she said, I know how powerful you are. You killed my husband, but I love you. And he loved you. And that terrified them. Because one of the elders stepped forward and said, while we burned him alive for almost 10 days. That's all he kept saying. I love you. And Jesus loves you. Being roasted alive couldn't wear it out. They fell back and fled. Within six days, she led all but one of the men to the Lord who had killed her husband. And the last man was led to the Lord within a month. When I was on platforms with her, I said, Miss Elizabeth, did it not scare you to go in? Oh, she said, it terrified me. She said, I had trouble making my legs stop shaking. And I'm carrying a child. But I had the love of God. You can't stop the love of God. It changes everything. Wow. Have you got it? The first thing God says about it is, it suffereth long. And it changes everything. What does it take to make me not love? You want to know how good a Christian you are? There's the marker. Because this love never fails. Look at the second thing he says about this. By the way, those men 
who killed her husband are now all pastors. And I was on a platform with two of them once when Elizabeth Elliot was there. We were preaching. I was preaching. She was speaking. And I said, tell me something. What happened? He said she had a power. The power of love. And we didn't know what to do with it. Her husband had that power. Every other person we cannibalized would curse us and scream at us. And, and all he kept saying is, I love you and my Jesus loves you. You can go to heaven. And we couldn't torment it out of him. And he said, that's how we got saved. This world's watching. Our families are watching. That little baby so preciously dedicated this morning, she's going to grow up watching. And are they going to see the love of God? We love to sing about it, the love of God so rich and pure. But do we have it, that agape love? Look at the next thing he says and we'll be done. Number one, it suffereth long. You can't wear it out. Number two, and is kind. And is kind. Boy, what a statement. You can't hide kind. You can't hide it. Oh, there's people who can play kind a little bit when they want something. Now, they're not being kind. They're manipulating. Uh, I'll be good to you, Pastor, but now you owe me. <laughs> I was kind to you, so now come on. It's your turn. Pony up. And, and that's not kind. That's manipulation. Businesses have learned how to play kind. Uh, you walk in a motel or somewhere, a restaurant, oh, we love you, we're so glad you're here. They don't love you. They love your credit card, that's what they love. They want you to come do business with them. This love is not geared to circumstances. This is to love the unlovely. When's the last time you said, Lord, give me somebody to love who nobody loves? Oh, well, Brother Gibbs, I don't want to pray that prayer. God will answer it. <laughs> There's a whole world right there. This love is kind. A number of years ago, a uh, Religious leader in America wrote an incredibly nasty letter about us. It was horrible. It wasn't true. He'd heard some rumors and he took them and ran with them, never talked to us, never came, never asked us. But he wrote this letter about us and our ministry and, and then he sent it everywhere. And pretty soon my friends were calling, people I know and love, and they said, this isn't true, is it, David? I said, of course not. Absolutely, it's not true. Those are lies. But I got ticked off. How many of you understand the word ticked off? Hold your hand up, will you? How many of you have ever gotten ticked off, right? I mean, just, I had it. So I decided to get even. I said, hey, he started it. I'm going to finish it. I said, you want to play word games? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sue you once a day, every day for 30 straight days. 
I'm going to sue you day one, day two, day three. I'm going to put 30 lawsuits on you. And you want to play word games, bring it on. And I felt wonderful. <laughs> Just wonderful. Now remember, the Bible forbids vengeance. Forbids it. It commands love. But I'm telling you, when you're thinking about getting even, it's delightful. <laughs> Don't look at me like that, okay? <laughs> because there's just something in us that wants to settle the score. Well, it came out on a Friday. I left the, to go out of town on Saturday. I preached in a church and came back Monday. I told all the lawyers in our ministry, I want you in the office. I've got these 30 ideas for the lawsuits. And uh, if you got more, we'll do more. <laughs> I came back, got into town about 9 in the morning. And I got to my office about 10. And as I walked in, my secretary, Shirley Block, was there. And Mrs. Block, a very godly lady, she's with the Lord now. I came walking in and she met me at the door and she said, oh, Brother Gibbs, I saw that letter. She said, that letter's full of lies. I said, I know. She said, man, I mean, those are horrible lies and they're totally, totally untrue. She said, I've been here 25 years. That's just totally not true. I said, I know. She said, well, I know what you're going to do. I said, yeah, surely I've been thinking about it all weekend. I've been praying for God to help me with my vengeance. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? <laughs> it's a sin, and we ask God to help us do the sin. And you say, well, I've never thought about getting even. Be honest, how many of you here have ever thought about getting even? Hold your hand up, would you? I mean, it's just, hmm. I said, yeah, surely I'm going to sue once a day, every day for 30 straight days. And I'm going to have the lawyers in here at 1 o'clock. Man, we're going to make his life miserable. She said, no, 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 no. You're not going to do that. And when she said that, for just a moment, I thought, she's got some idea that will probably be better than mine. <laughs> because, boy, when it comes to devising things, nobody beats a woman. Nobody. <laughs> I mean, they, they just have a gift. She said, no, 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 you're not going to do that. You're going to love him and bless him and do good to him, aren't you? And I said, yeah. <laughs> right after I get even. <laughs> Now, when she said that stuff to me, I didn't say it out loud, but I promise you this went through my mind. Lord, right now, I do not need a Christian secretary. I just don't. And I really don't need one who knows the Bible. She said, Brother Gibbs, you are commanded to love him. And she quoted by heart Matthew 5. Turn to Matthew 5.
start at verse 43. You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemies. Boy, that's the gold standard everywhere, isn't it? You be nice to me, I'll be nice to you. You treat me right, I'll treat you right. But you treat me like dirt, then I'm going to treat you like dirt. But I say unto you, say out loud the next three words, love your enemies. Sucre the word love, it's the word agape. You have somebody aggravating you? You have an enemy? You're commanded by God to love them. It's not an option. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Wow. She quoted that verse to me. She said, Brother Gibbs, what he did to you was wicked, horrible, completely undeserved. The man's wicked. But Brother Gibbs, if you do to him what you're thinking, you're worse than he is. Because you know better. She said, promise me that you'll love him and do good to him. Promise me. Now, I'm standing there, and here's what's going through my mind. Five minutes ago, I felt wonderful. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, what happened? My whole day is undone. I mean, I was going to, mm. She said, promise me you'll do what God commands. I said, okay, I promise, Shirley. She said, well, I knew you'd want to tell him you love him. So when you pulled up in the car, I dialed him. He's on line five. <laughs> I said, you what now? <laughs> she said, I knew you'd want to tell him you love him. And she reached over and picked up the phone and line five's just blinking away. And she said, and, and Shirley was from West Virginia, but she had Italian in her background. And when she wanted you to do something, she'd go like this. She'd say, tell him you love him. And I thought, leave me alone. <laughs> now, I'm going to tell you the rest of the story in a minute. If you're waiting till you feel like loving them, you never will. Because God never said, do it when you feel it. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And here's the one, love your enemies. She handed me the phone. And that quick, she went like this, and then she punched the and I got a live phone in my hand. I said, hello. That's all I said, hello. 
the guy on the other end recognized my voice and he cussed me out. Horrible. I mean, said vile things to me. This religious leader is cussing me. And he's screaming in the phone and I held it back and I said, you see that, Shirley? Let's go back to once a day, every day for 30 straight days. Let's do the other stuff later. She said, tell him you love him. And then she said these words, it's commanded. Whoa. Finally, he stopped cussing. And I said, uh, I just called you to tell you I love you. And that quick, he said, you didn't mean that. And I thought, boy, are you dead right. I'm struggling here. Oh, I, listen, I was having a war in me. By the way, when you have to love an aggravation in your life, an aggravation that has no intention of stopping, wow. I said, I want to tell you something. You're a bad man. You've done me a lot of harm. You told a ton of lies. But I'm worse than you. You can't believe what I was going to do to you. But I ran into a godly lady this morning who stopped me. I said, I was like David with Abigail. I was about to do something wrong. And I said, I'm going to tell you, I'm struggling with this, but I'm commanded to bless you and do good to you. And I said, if you tell me something I can do that would be a blessing to you and it's in my power, I'll do it. Now, Shirley's standing right there by me and she's going, oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I don't know where Italians get this off the When I hung up with him, I said, what did I just do? When those lawyers came in at 1 o'clock, there I am sitting with 18 lawyers. And I said, I want you to think about how we can bless this man. And they said, how we can what now? <laughs> this love is It doesn't say the guy that's aggravating you or the family that's aggravating you or the workers or your boss. It doesn't say the neighbor will be kind. It says you're to be kind. And this is the love of God. Wow. Two weeks later, that man came to our office and got on his knees and asked me to forgive him. I said, you've already been forgiven. And I said, I want you to pray for me because I want to love my enemies. If we were going to be known for one thing in this world, it needs to be for how we love. There was a group of Mennonite Christians in Pennsylvania in America 
and two savage, deranged people walked into their small Christian school and shotgunned to death all the children in it for no reason, just deranged wickedness. The news media came out there and one of the fathers was standing there who just lost two children. They put a microphone up and they said, what are you gonna do now? He said, I'm gonna love him. They said, you're gonna what? He said, he's broken my heart beyond words. But my God commands me to love. That video clip went viral everywhere. How about you? How about me? Look at what he says. Go back to 1 Corinthians 13 again and we're done. Verse 13. Now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity, this love. Look at the first part of chapter 14. Follow after charity. Would you circle that word follow? There were a number of words that could be translated follow. This was the word for something that was a passionate pursuit. This was something that was the pinnacle desire. What's the passion pursuit in your life? What's the pinnacle desire? God says, I'm commanding you for it to be this love. Because without it, you're nothing but an irritating noise. And without it, even if you've got the faith to move mountains, you're nothing. And even if you give your body to be burned and you give everything you have, God says, it doesn't count. Because this love is what matters the most to God. No one will do this by accident. It's a decision. You'll never wake up one morning and say, hmm, must have happened in the night. No, no, no. That's why God commands it. And here's, if you'd pray for me, I have to keep reminding myself because I get forgetful. And all of a sudden I get ticked off again. How many of y'all have ever had to remind yourself, remind yourself, God, I'm commanded to love them. Commanded to have this love that exceeds the value of faith. This morning, I don't know what last week was like, but you can leave here by promise of this book absolutely knowing that you have a new pinnacle desire you want to be known for. The man, the woman, the teenager who loves. Bow your heads. Father, your word is so clear on this.
by your grace, by your power. There's no way we can be what you've commanded us to be without this love. Heads are bowed. How many of you say, David, I know the Lord. I'm heaven bound, but boy, my heart's been spoken to. I want this love in my life at a level where God says it's to be. My heart's been touched. If that's true, hold your hand up right now. Hold them high. If you have your hand up, I want you to get up out of your seat and come to this altar right now. Don't hesitate. Don't delay. This service will be over in moments. God never speaks to a heart without expecting a response from that heart. Brother Gibbs, can't I just pray right where I am? Sure you can. But all through the Bible, Jesus summoned people to an altar, a meeting place. All through history, the church has invited people to an altar. What a privilege to have an altar. My heart's been touched. I want that love. Father, I bow with these precious hearts. Oh, my. How easy it is to forget that with you this exceeds the value of faith. It's hard to imagine. You say without faith we can't please you, yet this is even more important than that. We're commanded to be world-class lovers that the world can't begin to understand because it's not the love of the world. It's the love of the Holy Spirit through us. God, hear the cry of every heart. I don't know what's in these people's lives. They don't know what's in my life, but we've all got challenges to this love. And God, tomorrow may bring the greatest challenge. May we be what you've commanded us to be. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Hear our cry in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.